Welcome to Authorized Tertiary Tomes Origins, a podcast where we usually discuss the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. Sometimes we instead discuss tertiary tomes, books that are not novelizations, but similarly owe their existence to a film. And now, for the first time, we are discussing a movie not because it has a novelization, it doesn't, but because a direct-to-book sequel to the film is coming out today. And we want to discuss that once we're all finished with it. So first, let's talk about this movie. To recomes origins. It does make sense. <laughs> Movies are cultural touchstones so seminal and influential that they appear at once vivacious and simple. Just like The Scarlet Letter, Movies have made such an impression on the writing world that they have been mimicked endlessly, making the original example of the idea seem less inspired, although truly it inspired the whole trend. Does this make sense, the Scarlet Letter, with what it did for symbolism? Sure, I don't know, man. Okay. <clears throat> the true testament to a movie's power, however, is that even when it's aren't cops and robbers kind of the same dynamic has been beaten to death over decades... The original still shines as one of the most quality iterations. There it is. Is this the original Movies... concept of that, though? Show me one earlier. Show me one that I tries think to like French evil connection. Is kind of like that. Cool. I don't know I... what that is. Okay. <laughs> it's not quite. And I'll let you talk about that. No, what is it? Go. Uh, Touch of Evil is an Orson Welles film about uh, a cop and a, a criminal, and they have sort of parallel things happening. And the cop's pretty bad, and the criminal's kind of nice. It's not the same, but it's kind of in the in the genre. Sure, but isn't this the first example that at least that I can think of? Isn't this the first example of them like saying it a bunch? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I spent most of the movie thinking like, isn't there a version of this where the cop and the criminal sleep together and they don't know the other one's the other one, but they have uh... like a deep connection, which I think Heat could benefit from. Anyway, we'll come back them to sleeping it. together. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's awesome that Al Pacino's sleeping with a female Al Pacino. Personally. <laughs> um, okay, uh, da, 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 da. can't wait to really get into this. Okay, uh, what did I say? The original still shines as one of the most quality iterations. Movies are bursting and overstuffed, but extremely satisfying to me. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm John Goodman. And I'm Hannah Blackman. Heat is a 1995 crime thriller directed by Michael Mann. It follows in parallel and historically crossing just one time and then at the end. Robert De Niro as professional thief Neil McCauley, hot, and Al Pacino as Vincent Hanna, slightly less hot, the police officer dedicated to catching him red-handed. As Macaulay begins to contemplate a future beyond his life of crime, he is slowly rendered into two versions of himself. This is very poetic, Andrew. One, <laughs> a tender romantic with aspirations for a peaceful life, and the second, a ruthless killer willing to do anything to achieve it, which is kind of what he was before. Studying his... Yeah. Yeah, right? I, I mean, thought I wouldn't just, get like, called out on that. He just, like, a second <laughs> level of himself. Anyway. It's not so much that he's rendered as he just, like, grows a tumor that is a tender man. Yeah. He, he loves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of this could be solved by just sleeping with Val Kilmer instead of trying to, like, pick up some girl. 
for the mm. listener, I had a brain tumor. Don't come at me with the this is this is you know insensitive. Okay, back off. Right. Everybody can see the scar. I got a really short haircut. Yeah, we well we can see it. The listener cannot see it, but we'll all t- vouch for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Studying his foe intently, the beleaguered Hannah must put himself in a criminal mastermind's headspace in order to use the tender man to catch the psychotic villain. And meanwhile, like, ditch his family and be a bad husband. (laughs) Also, there's like a million other interesting dudes in this movie. The novelization of Heat does not exist and was released never, which is a shame because I think it would be really interesting and good. I would love to read it. Michael Mann. In retrospect, right, Heat, the novelization, come on. But the sequel, Heat 2, no subtitle, just Heat 2, as far as we know, right? Wow. It's like, I mean, my friend Mel, who's going to be on the podcast soon, has an advanced copy of it. It's like a real book that's, like, out for some people, mm-hmm. and it just says Heat 2. Book, yeah. Anyway, that I'm was written that's by... Happening. You got to tell me more about that once we get into the meat of this. There's just, like, not enough twos anymore, you know? Like, yeah. all of, big into subtitle or, you know, whatever, under... What what are they called? Yeah, it happened sometime in between Iron Man 2 and Thor The Dark World. Yeah, Everyone changed their mind. It. Yeah, I agree. I wish it was called More Heat. That'd be funny, too. Hotter. And I can't wait for us to try and idea, like, dream of what this could be as after we talk about Heat 1. Anyway, Heat 2, written by Michael Mann himself and Meg Gardiner, not Gardiner, <laughs> as my brain wanted to say, Gardiner, was released, is released, is currently being released August 9th, 2022. And it will be covered on this podcast as soon as we all finish reading a book that I don't know how long it is. I think it's like 450 Well, pages. I'm not surprised, oh given that Heat is three full fucking hours. Yeah. Well, it's two hours 50, but still, it's long as hell. I am really interested to see what quality Heat 2 is, because for months, the only things I was seeing were things like Meg Gardner was retweeting. So it just seemed all really glowing. Now the actual reviews are coming out, and it, it seems pretty glowing. Hmm. Okay, hey. I just don't understand what the plot of Heat 2 could be. Like, are we picking up with characters? Are we just doing a similar structure with Mm. new people? I'm curious. I'm very curious. It'd be weird to have just Pacino's character chasing down a new De Niro. I agree. I don't know. And it's not like you can bring Val Kilmer back because he's sensibly retired. Well, it's a novelization, though. Hannah, you basically can't bring anyone back if we're talking about the movie. Yeah. Also, Pacino's like 90. Are we getting into it? Is this allowed? What's that? Is there more structure to cover? No, it's just... No, that's it. Okay, Okay, great. I don't have an author. I don't have anything. (laughs) Great. Um... Yeah, I didn't have a I didn't have a game for this one. Uh, Are you heat or are you me? (laughs) Um... It's just me showing cops and then, like, the people they killed. Um, (laughs) So if you're listening to this, you probably know this, but uh, the the book Heat 2 is announced as a book, which I I think is is sort of an interesting thing about art in general. Like, obviously, Michael Mann's an established filmmaker. He's been having trouble getting movies made in the last 10 years. Now he's in, like, a renaissance. His his Ferrari movie is happening. Mm. His... Heat 2 movie, it seems, is happening after the book is getting all this coverage. So What's his most there, recent? There's all this press. 
film? His most recent is Black Hat from 2015. Oh, with, um, oh, some people like it, but I think it's a real stinker. I'm squarely in the middle on that. It's fine. Uh, but So he's having trouble getting a, a movie made, so it seems like instead he writes Heat 2 with this thriller author, Meg Gardner, and now it's getting so much excitement that people are saying it's going to be made into a movie. There's no way that they could use any of the original cast at all. I mean, I don't know when Heat 2 is set. I don't know what it's about. Maybe Natalie Portman. Great It's point, a huge John. cast. Get Danny Trejo or but something. You, Does Danny I Trejo mean, die? Obviously, he, he dies. Yeah, most De Niro's of done. He's yeah. super dead at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, Pacino's 90 years old. Val Kilmer is yeah. not well enough to carry a movie, unfortunately. Mm. Um, there's no one else alive. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I think they'll recast the entire thing. And it'll be... Well, recast or new characters? Right. Is the question. Well, the book definitely seems like it is the characters from the original. Now, the only things I know about the book are that it has some sort of Godfather 2 element, so there's probably young Neil McCauley in it. Okay. uh, Which... Allows us to have pretty much everyone in his crew except for Wayne Grow, who is never. I've been. I was thinking about The Godfather two a lot while watching this movie. It was nice seeing seeing Don Vito and Michael, you know, meet face to face. It's fun. They're sort of the two stars of that movie. You say that, John, but it's like it's it is weird. Pre Righteous Kill, which is another movie they do together mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety five, they've been in these two films together. The film's runtime totals like seven hours if you put them <laughs> back to back, and they're on screen together for like three minutes. Yeah, yeah. I kept thinking that like Pacino. This is I don't know. This is just a me take. I think Pacino stopped being hot in like nineteen eighty five. And De Niro gets hotter as he gets older. And they're in this like cross moment where they meet on screen. And I'm like, well, De Niro's the hot one here. <laughs> where in The Godfather 2, I would have been like, Pacino's the hot one here. I think Pacino looks good in this movie. Uh, <laughs> but there's a turn that he takes. He's, he's, he's already got the wild eyes. I mean, yeah. he's one of the only actors I know of where he goes from more dead-eyed to more wacky and strange. And I'm not just talking about the way he... Acts and his like cocaine performance in this. He his just... performance in this is outrageous. I, I want to say. I kind of didn't realize go she's got a great ass. Is from this movie. Yeah. What the oh, hell? Oh, it feels is he insane. Doing? We we haven't even brought this up. I'm the only person on this podcast who had seen the movie before a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So Hannah and John both fresh to it. So that's interesting, Anna. You, you, there's, there's things from this movie that are just in culture that you didn't know were from Heat. Yes, correct. And things yeah. that I did know were from Heat, but like, she's got a great ass. I assumed was from a later Pacino movie, like more. Yeah. Like when did Scent of a Woman come out? Where he like crosses the line into Cuckoo Bird? It's maybe three years after this. Yeah, I thought it was after that. Mm-hmm. I assumed I was wrong. I was so wrong. Yeah, he, uh, th- this is, I think, a pretty widely known fact about the script of this movie. The The first draft had his character literally addicted to cocaine. And <laughs> okay, then... I was wondering, like, is this character on coke or is it just the actor? <laughs> wow. Well, so the, the character as written is not on coke because it was written out, but Pacino simply ignored it. Yeah. He's playing it as such a, a cokehead character. There are scenes in this where it's like, where he's, anyone, when he's like intimidating his like 
informants, um, where it feels like I'm watching like a um, Tim Robinson, I think you should leave sketch, where there's like <laughs> everyone's being normal except for one weirdo. And they're like, yeah, hey, I, mean, I don't know, this just talking to you could get me killed. And he's like, yeah, you can get killed uh, walking your doggy. <laughs> <laughs> I, what in that, is wrong with you? <laughs> canonically on cocaine, I could forgive a lot of that, I guess. But it just feels like a bad performance in those moments. It feels over He's the top. Good to work in like many moments of the movie, and then like those, yes. I'm like, Al, Jesus Christ, yeah. man! <laughs> Why did Michael Mann let you do that? <laughs> I like the one time when he's with Tone Logue, and he's like. And he keeps going, give me all you got. It's like, he's just very frustrated with this man. Yeah. He's probably, or not Tone Logue, the, um, the brother. Uh, but like, that is not how I behave when I'm frustrated. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the idea, Jonathan, I think you should leave sketch where uh, he's doing that. And then the, the, the signature of the I think you should leave sketch is at some point, everyone in the room turns and sides with Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in He's the like, scene well, we were you just... You could get killed walking your dog. He's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you should give him all you've got. In the scene where he's talking to the brother whose information is, I met a guy on the street who said he was doing nothing and I thought he was doing something. In yeah. that moment, I was like, you know what? Yeah, fuck that. That's not information. Yeah, That's nothing. Right, right. Pacino should be mad. <laughs> And then when he has to come back and be like, Slick, did you say Slick? Oh, I'm sorry I yelled at you, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the coincidence that sets the plot in motion. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point. That scene where he is trying to get information and the guy is just saying, I saw a man. I saw a man I was in prison with. Do something. Like, that is a good example of Pacino giving a frustrated performance that isn't him yelling. Like, he's showing he's capable of real, normal person acting. He is capable of it. But no, he's not always yelling, and I, I agree. When he's not, it's like, you know, the coffee shop scene. He's good. Great scene. Yeah. I think his moments with Natalie Portman are all really strong. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's a nice... He's a good nice stepdad. Nice little relationship. He's a good stepdad. I mean, he's on cocaine, and he's mean to her mom in some ways. Yeah, like, he's good he's, to her. That's true. How good of a stepdad can you be while being that bad of a husband, I guess, is the question. <laughs> he's, he's a good stepdad, but he's in this role where he doesn't seem to be expected to do much responsibility-wise. Yes. He just drops in every once in a while, and he's going, hey— uh, I'm your stepdad, and I enjoy your company. And 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 the wife and child are like, he's great. <laughs> Midway through the movie, when he says like, I got a wife, I got a stepdaughter, I was like, oh, you're married. I assumed that they were just dating, and the yeah. stepdaughter had really taken to him. <laughs> like I couldn't. Believe his his third wife. He's really he's a serial marrier. He can't hold it together. He's in love with his job. He's in love with his job. It really is like sick that moment, which I think a lot of people call out, where he's at the hospital with the wife and like Natalie Portman has tried to kill herself and the wife's like no you have to go solve your case and he just like gleefully runs down those stairs like so yeah, he's glad like, to be really you sure you sure it's okay okay here I go okay great 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 <laughs> he's like willing to do the stepdad thing and then she's like no it's okay I can handle it your job's important and he's like fuck yeah great uh, I think is. there's a lot more nuance to that I performance I mean, and that scene that then you guys are giving a credit he looks yeah. at his beeper and he's, he registers, the thing I want more than anything in life is happening. And he, like, has made the choice. He really just sort of 
like sighs and 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 goes, "Okay, I'm sticking here. That's what I said I'd do." And then they have the whole conversation about we're really not good for each other. And his wife goes, you can go. Like, I know you want to go. You can go. And he does a very slow, contemplative walk out of the room where he looks back. And it's very touching. And then immediately when he's out of sight, he just starts darting. Yeah. (laughs) It is much more nuanced. This is a guy who, like, cares about these people, but has come to care more about catching Neil McCauley and having more moments with this guy. Um, And then he does just, like, zoom out of that hospital. There is almost no movie these days that I've seen that trusts me as much as, like, the first six minutes of Heat, Mm. where there are so many dudes walking so many places. I mean, if you look away from the screen for one second, you could be forgiven for thinking that Neil McCauley is in the ambulance because he works at the hospital. (laughs) <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's just like they they immediately throw so many people i mean we're, we're we get we get mccully we get uh we get chris kilmer's character mm-hmm. we get wayne grow and uh michael at least all of those characters being intercut right away all having and very Trejo. different things going on yeah. Trejo as well <laughs> it really helps that so many of them are uh, well-known actors that I can be like, oh, it's not just like a bunch of middle-aged white dudes. It's like Robert De Niro. It's like these people we know, you know? Um, it helps yeah. that they all have like no known faces. I'm not trying to figure out, are these the same guy at any point? Yes. I just think when it's cutting between all these things, usually when a movie does that, like, I don't know, I think of like the beginning of Magnolia, another three-hour movie that spends the first five minutes being like, here's every character walking. Uh... <laughs> It's just to show you them and kind of give you like a little taste of where what their setting is. Like in Magnolia, it's like this guy's a nurse, this guy's like a, a public figure. We're just getting little glimpses within the the cutting in at the beginning of Heat. They establish some dynamics, which is interesting. Like in the setup, we get Wayne grows an outsider. He mm-hmm. he's, a piece it, of shit. It, he's a piece of shit. He he. He's sort of sucking up to Michael. Michael's a dick, you know? <laughs> but Michael calling people slick is established within, like, 90 seconds of the movie starting. Mm-hmm. He's got to stop doing that. That's a that's a real tell. It really fucked them all over. <laughs> I'm not the first person to, to bring this up. I've definitely heard this mentioned before. But, like, you don't get the nickname because you call other people that. I don't think it's really his nickname. They call him, I think it's, like, the cops yeah. call him that because they, for a moment, don't know who he is. And they're like, who's this guy who calls everybody slick? I don't think his friends call him that. But when they're in the restaurant, when he makes the connection, uh, the the brother of his CI goes, this slick guy. Yeah, that's, it is. That's sort of how it happens. Very It'd odd. be like if you if you started if you're friends with the great Gatsby and you start calling him old sport just to sort of show him <laughs> how weird it seems. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that read. I like that everyone that's ever interacted with Michael is like, you gotta stop. <laughs> we get it. This you're is trying really to make annoying. It a thing, but it's not a thing. I got it. You're the slick guy. <laughs> Like very basically, it's like Mean Girls. It's like everyone starts calling her, uh, you know, that fetch girl. She's always yeah, trying to get right. it to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, I I I love the opening 
of the movie, obviously just like, I was thinking this during Spider-Man No Way Home. I was like, just every movie that's a blockbuster should start with a huge thing. Why, mm. if, if you're, if we're doing a movie like this, why are we, why are we building up to action sequences? Give me one right off the bat. That's what I came for. Um, I will say about this opening sequence, I, one of my main touch points with Heat was, and I guess this is one of its big things that it influenced, people are always saying like, oh, The Dark Knight. He's like, he's making mm-hmm. heat with comic book characters. Oh, it's like heat. It's just like heat. Um, and opening scene, very, uh, the Dark Knight feels very indebted to, to this with the opening bank robbery. Very similar thing going on. I like nothing better when robbers just like crash a truck into an uh-huh. armored car so they can get into it. A thing I love to see in movies. I feel like Ambulance does that. And I was like, fuck yeah. Oh, I haven't seen Ambulance. I gotta check it's that out. Fun. Is the guy who the who the Joker is robbing? Is he Van Zant from? I think so. This? Oh wow, yeah. fun. Good cast. What a face on that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, very memorable. Um, I like seeing him as like the put together business guy who is just like slowly becoming unraveled. Very fun <laughs> yeah. role. Yes. And they cut back yes. to him and he's been living in his office for like days because he's scared yeah. to go home. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there's no scenes between with him. Mm-hmm. And so it's just him basically going, uh, I'm going to teach them that nobody can rob me. Nobody can fuck with me. And then it's like the next time you see him after the deal goes bad, he's like, I'm so fucking scared. <laughs> there's that one scene in the middle of like, I'm talking to an empty line because the man on the other side of this is dead. That's what I mean. And yeah, like, boy, that is good, that like that's so a good sick. line. That's a that, great that line, line. Made me be like, wait, what? What does he it, mean by that? Oh, it, <laughs> it took me a so second. so hard, but like, Pacino's cool. Pacino's put together. Sorry, no, De Niro. I'm talking mm-hmm. about Neil. I think we just I need to get into a character mindset and not refer to yes, the okay. Neil anyway. McCauley. And Neil is like very cool, Hannah. very put together, very Michael Mann protagonist. He's like a pro, right? Mm-hmm. And then once in a while, you're like, oh, this man does murders all yeah. the time with no yeah. remorse at all. He and that's one of those murder. scenes where you're like, oh, he's scary. He's very scary, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool. I like seeing it. It's fun yeah. to have that, like, you spend enough time with him that you're like, I like him. I want him to succeed. I want him to get away with it. He's one of those criminals. Mm-hmm. I want him to, like, have his girlfriend. And then you're like, oh, no, wait, maybe he should definitely go to mm-hmm. jail. Like he's, a, he's a bad guy. Yeah. For sure. The bank robbery really switches things because so much of the movie is placing De Niro against people that you could dislike more. So Wayne mm-hmm. Grow does the murder in the first scene and then they kill everyone else. And you're, you're, I mean, he's, uh, but I mean, that is still his fault. Like that's the thing over, but you have to talk about with, um, Walter White, uh, where mm-hmm. it's like when he surrounds himself with crazy people and yes. therefore people get murdered, it is his fault. You know, it is one of my favorite just fictional tropes is that is people placing their trust or delegating to parties that do evil and how they have to then take on the responsibility for that. Yeah. I never should have hired that guy. Yeah. I don't think Macaulay's nice, I guess. I don't want to say that. <laughs> um, but a lot of the movie is like, yeah, you do come to like him and he hasn't done anything super heinous. And then they say in the diner scene... You know, if it's if it's between killing you and letting you kill more people, I'm going to kill you, which is sort of in the abstract. And then we get the 
the bank robbery, which is just, he's killing so many people. Yeah. And just both sides just spraying bullets across oh the city. Oh my God. Like, just so To a point that almost makes you say, I was almost thinking like, let him escape. Like, it is not worth the collateral no. damage of stopping this bank robbery All to save some like cash. Automatic like, weapons and unbelievable shotguns in a way that yes. felt so irresponsible to me. Yeah. But okay, the criminals have major guns, of course, sure. Mm-hmm, sure. But the cops shouldn't be spraying automatic machine no. gun fire all over Los Angeles's streets. Yeah, there are definitely, like, some, like, random, like, kids and families getting killed there, like, if that was real life. Definitely let them get away. I, I agree. However, I, I want to defend the scene a little bit. It <laughs> does have the insight to have the cops uh, gunfire be sort of like boom, 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 boom. Like they're like being more strategic with it. And the the fire they're getting back from the robbers is like a barrage. Yeah. It is like a true disregard for life. I I think we are supposed to a little bit think like, oh, Vincent Hanna is reckless here. He is so obsessive that like his priorities are maybe not in order, you know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And he trades out, like, a controllable gun for, like, an automatic machine gun at one point. Yes. Right. With one of his fellow... Who who shoots the other... One of his, like, other detective guys? Like, the first it, cop who gets killed. Sure. Like, is no, that No, no, you're talking about... You're talking about, um... Uh, what's his name? Buffalo Bill. With the mustache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. He's Buffalo Bill? Like, oh. Vincent goes mm-hmm. over to him and is like, this guy is so unbelievably dead. Now I really have to stop these guys. Um, yes. Now I have a widow on my hands, which I said I didn't want. Um, right. Is, does Neil like now shoot I have a fourth him wife. or is it just one of the others? Like, is there any clarity on like, can they tell? Does anybody I know? Think it was, I think it was Chris. I, 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 I would have to rewatch the scene, but it, it definitely it definitely wasn't just a bullet that came from off screen. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to keep track, and I just, it was all moving very fast, and I think if I watched it again, I would pay closer attention to that. Also, like, Chris. Chris! <laughs> Chris! Okay, Chris. Chris! Chris starting out the movie. This is my, my one of my favorite things in the movie. He walks in to buy the explosives, and he's like, hey, yeah, I want to buy some explosives. Yeah, great. F- fantastic. Yeah, I'll follow you over here. You need me to come to the counter? Being very friendly. Then the guy's like, I need your ID. And he just gives the scariest face you've ever seen. <laughs> and he holds his ID up. Like, all life goes out of him. As yeah. if to be like, I was having the worst day ever when this photo was taken. Let me replicate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, Chris. Uh, I mean, obsessed talk with about- Chris. <laughs> Yeah, go go ahead, Anna. For the first, like, chunk of the movie, he is, like, an emotionless robot criminal who, like, feels nothing, expresses nothing on his face, is doing the job and doing it well. Then you mm-hmm. cut to a home scene where he has mm-hmm. a wife who loves him and a baby. And you're like, how the fuck does this guy have that? Yeah, uh, yes. And he's not, like, nice to her in that scene. He's not affectionate. He throws things and is, re- and you're like, okay, right, well, he's a psycho. Got it. And then he has the scene with De Niro where he's like, I love her more than anything in the world. I could never yeah. let her go. <laughs> he's just like the most complicated guy in the movie. Is not really given a lot of space to like do anything with it. It's just like it's happening in the background. I think that's fantastic. And then is able to do the thing that Neil can't do when it really matters, which is to be like, he couldn't let go of his wife and child. He's like, I love them too much to do it. And then when it actually comes down to him or them, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. 
I'm going to walk out of the movie and survive it because I'm smart enough to do that. And like Neil can't do it. <laughs> Should do it seven different ways and can't do it. Neil can't, but he also can. He has because... in the past, apparently. No, I was going to say, uh, just to jump around the movie haphazardly, I have <laughs> more to say about it. Chris. Like, we got to stay on Chris for a minute. Neil can't resist killing Wayne Grow at the end, but he can walk away from the car. Yeah. So will... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like he, which I think is telling about his character, because a person who's only about the car, only about the girlfriend, is a different type of person who's much more virtuous and probably isn't a career criminal. The person who prioritizes revenge and has it in them to walk away from the girlfriend. I mean, is there a clearer delineation of priorities? He's also yeah, a guy right. who loves his job more than anything else in the world. And he thinks yeah, he yes. loves this girl enough they to both like, leave it all behind. But he doesn't, as it turns out. At all. Chris. Chris. Also, his name is Chris, which is somehow, like, really Chris. funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, a very yeah. normal guy name. Uh, the scene where he comes home to his wife is amazing also because man directs it such that it spirals so quickly. It's... Yeah. <laughs> he, he walks into the house. They do have a tender moment where he leans down, kisses his wife while she's by the pool... Then they start talking about money. Then it becomes clear that he gambled all the money away. Then she gets mad. Then they're in a fight. Then things are being thrown. And it's like getting worse and worse and worse. And then as he runs out of the room, slams the door so that so that pictures fall off the wall, the baby starts crying. Not, the baby is not mentioned until like the line before he runs out. Yeah. She's like, well, I would end up with Dominic. And you're like, who the fuck is Dominic? And then he just runs out of the room and a baby starts crying. It's like... It's it. The scene just gets it, it, it exponentially worse and worse. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's really amazing. Yeah, and it's weird because he is otherwise sort of portrayed. He kind of comes across as like the level-headed guy in that crew. That that scene to me stuck out as like, oh, I didn't realize that this guy was like kind of an abusive psycho. I don't know. I like, think in maybe almost any other movie, he'd be like the loose cannon who's gonna open fire in the bank, and you're worried about because he's like. Right this kind of uh, uncontrollable guy and Kilmer is playing it so controlled and so stoic that when he has these yeah. like, explosive moments or when they're coming out of the bank and he sees the cops and decides like, I'm just going to start fucking shooting. It's just like that so is... yes. crunchy. It's amazing. <laughs> they're so close what? to just getting away with it. If that like bus stayed parked for like another 30 mm-hmm. seconds, none of that gunfire would have happened. Hannah, I was going to tie together the argument with Ashley Judd at the beginning with him opening fire at the bank robbery mm-hmm. in that he isn't a loose cannon like Wayne Grower. You don't know what he's going to do. Uh, he is a guy who's willing to do a 180 on a dime. Yes. And that happens in both scenes. He like comes in and he's like, I love my wife. She's dissatisfied with me. Fuck her. And then <laughs> he gets that, that moment when he's walking out of the bank where he smiles to himself and he's like, I did it. Wow. And then there is no hesitation. It's, it's so fast. It's confusing. He just sees a guy dress nice with a gun and he's like cops and he just starts shooting. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I don't know if it's Kilmer or if it's the way this character is written, but I was just like, I'm, I want Chris in every scene. I want his reaction to like everything that's happening. I'm so fascinated by him. And then like he gets shot in the shoulder, in the chest, in a way that I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, Chris, I assume Chris is dead. And he's not, which is also a thing this movie does that I don't think any other movie would do, is like let that character live through that barrage of gunfire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a huge problem for Heat too, which is if they're going to write a, a book that part of it is a sequel, there's no way they're going to be able to resist doing a Chris plotline. I want to know what he's doing. Yeah. But what the restraint that it would take to do a Chris plotline in the sequel and not have it be he tries to find a way to come back and get his wife and child and it all goes sideways or something I really wouldn't want to see which is he tries to come back and get his wife and child and he does pull it off he seems like a guy who he's not the leader of the gang for a reason he's not like a plan guy Mm -hmm. like the fact that he goes off on his own at the end and doesn't fly off into the sunset with Neil is surprising to every character in the movie yeah um and so, like, I don't know how you make a plot with him where he, like, decides to do things on his own. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy at all. He even, like, needs Ashley Judd to be like, no, don't come. Go. You have to go now. This is not the time for you to come in at the very end. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm I'm curious. But also, like, I love him and I can't wait to see what's happening with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> He's a gambling addict. So maybe it'll be that he is living a life separate but inevitably law enforcement's going to be on his tail again because it's an easy way for him to get wrapped up in some shady shit yeah go for it so like having only seen the movie once i i found the crime through like the crime they're doing hard to follow did Mm -hmm. he gamble Mm -hmm. away his take did he not get as big a take as he thought he was going to get because of wayne grow like what is act what happens actually i think First of all, I love that this movie, speaking of the crime through line, I love that this movie is just like, there's four different robberies happening. We're going to discuss ones that aren't coming up for a while. Like They're like, yeah. he meets with Tom Noonan about the bank, and then they go do the precious metals one. He's like, yeah. all right, well, these guys do a yeah, lot. Yeah, they're doing a lot of robbing. <laughs> this is like, these guys like treat, uh, treat crime like I treat authorized episodes. I'm like reading <laughs> one book, recording an episode for another. Uh, <laughs> but I think with uh, Chris's gambling that he we're meant to assume that he goes directly to a casino after, okay, after big big busts or or whatever. Yeah, he's like he blew it on the Super Bowl games or whatever it is. Chris, I mean, he's like an adrenaline junkie, is why he's doing this stuff, right? But like shooting at cops from the middle of the street is the most exciting thing he's ever done in his life, and it's awesome. And yeah. then he gets shot, and that's less awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it it's easy to imagine that he will just get back into trouble. I just, I don't know. If I was tasked with writing the sequel book, I wouldn't know what the hell to do without making it just seem like four different plot offshoots that like don't intercept or inter- intersect. I don't know how you how you make like a cogent story. Um but yeah, uh, the initial robbery, totally awesome. Love it. Uh the scene where Pacino just rolls up to check out the armored car robbery. I mean, he is so cool. And talk he about doesn't a scene have where dialogue he's... for like two minutes in that scene. He's just pointing at things for explanations. Yes, yes, yes. He's just pointing at the truck and 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 uh, 
people are just being like they got it from here and he's like pointing at the ambulance and they're like well we're tracing the explosive and it's like oh what an interesting movie about a a mute detective (laughs) (laughs) it just he shows up with such authority it's very cool and you need him to be cool like he has to be equal to neil's cool and like that really established him as like he's in charge of his crew too he's in charge of his world too they are equal opponents it's really endearing to see him as opposed to being like, like the way, what am I trying to say? Let me take it again. It's really endearing to see the way that he admires Macaulay's work because it's not with this cool, disaffected, like, you know, uh, these guys are really good. We're going to have to watch out for him. It really feels like he's like, these guys are really good. Like he's like kind of a little bit excited about it. He which saw he, oh, a lot of like excited. amateur robbers. More than a little bit. Now he has a pro to go up against. He loves yes, it. Yes, yeah. That, when he realizes line... they're looking at him through the binoculars and he's like, oh, I know what they're looking for. I know. And he's like <laughs> looking around and he's like, where are you? My, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is is that scene, the beginning where Macaulay and his guys are walking around the docks and just going like blah 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 crime blah 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 escaping a crime (laughs) doing a fake discussion about robbery (laughs) and you can tell if you know because i've seen the movie probably five times you if you know what's going on in that scene you can see that these actors like de niro and and sizemore are playing guys doing a bad job of acting oh yeah oh that's fun (laughs) Yeah, no, his his excitement is really endearing and it, it makes him uh it makes him like very likable as a protagonist that he's he kind of has like a giddy side to him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he loves doing the work. In a way that I don't know, I guess I was a little interested. So it seems like the sort of obvious like main the theme here is like, are they so different really? They just happen to be obsessed with opposite jobs. Um but I was surprised by how heroic, so to speak, the movie makes Pacino. Like, there is a lot of stuff where it is like, like, for instance, the scene where the mother of the sex worker who was murdered by Wayne Grow is like coming up and like hugging him and being like, please, I need to know what happened. I need to know what happened to my daughter. Like, I need a heroic police detective to solve this mystery. It's the only way I can have closure. Um, and the like, repeated, like, you know, he's like, the way that, like, even his wife, who's mad at him for being too into his job, describes his job so romantically. And so, like, you're like, you don't care about anything, do you? You're like a, like a predator in the wild trying to take down. A, and that's, a, you're, that's all you can. It's like, I thought that was, like, sometimes a little much. I mean, even when he shoots Sizemore, who has taken a child hostage, and he manages to, like, not shoot the child. He runs and he scoops up the kid and is like, you're safe now. I have you. It's okay. Uh-huh. I'm a cop holding this giant machine gun. Like, yeah. It's pretty heroic, <laughs> like, insane level stuff. Um, yeah, so that was sort of, I thought, interesting choices for, given that you would think it would be more, they're the same at the end of the day. But they're not. Well, I think that's one of the great things about the movie is that it's it's not trying to do like this like edge lordy thing of like aren't they kind of the same you could definitely make a movie these days where you're like aren't they kind of the same and it, you just it'd just be like a very anti-cop movie but sure w- it, but for 95 when that really wasn't the societal temperature i think it it's interesting that it does go 
there's all these similarities. But let's be real. We still like one guy more than the other guy. Yes. And I think that would be, if you made De Niro too good, I think that would be cheap. I mean, De Niro is so bad and I still really wanted him to get away with it and really expected Pacino to let him go. Mm, interesting. In the airport. There's like a series of things in this movie where I was like, oh, that doesn't, that didn't go the way that most movies that are doing this goes. And like, I really expected they're on the airfield and I was like, oh, he's gonna, they respect each other too much. He's gonna let him go. (laughs) And then he just fucking shoots him like five times. And De Niro was about to shoot him too. Like, or Yeah, uh, they're both ready to kill each other. As they established, they made a promise. They shook hands on it. Like, we're gonna kill each other if we're given the opportunity. This is how we put ourselves on an even part. Like, I, they say it, they lay it out, and then they do it, and I respect it. I was shocked. I was still totally shocked. Yeah. <laughs> the, the version that I would love to see is, is them on the airfield, and they share meaningful eye contact, and then one of them puts down their gun and gets shot. And he's like, I thought, I thought we were, <laughs> no, we were just not doing, <laughs> doing <that>. forgiveness. <laughs> um, yeah, what were we even talking about? Oh. There is a movie where they basically do heat, but they make De Niro too good. Do you know what I'm talking about, Hannah? The town? Uh, give me it's a It's The Town. Oh, yeah. Well, I love The Town. <laughs> and a movie where the Val Kilmer-esque character does get killed in the street shootout. But Jeremy there's Renner. a huge difference between mm. Jeremy Renner and Val Kilmer, those two yeah, characters. Yeah, of course, of course. But which like, is that Jeremy Renner is like... the same pocket, you know what I mean? Yes, but I think of... I, I really don't like The Town, and... and, and it was taught. Do you remember that screenwriting class? I John, do. I do. Yes. With uh, with Wayne Beach. Wayne, if you're a listener, reach out. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he, get he, Wayne Beach on. He's good. I would love to get Wayne Beach on. I, I did audit his class because I like wasn't doing any of the work, so I don't know if he'd come on. But we'll see. Okay. Um, Maybe he just wouldn't read the book to get back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm auditing your podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, in that class we were taught and 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 introduced to like a bunch of amazing movies that i still watch to this day i mean the degree to which wayne beach uh he sort of what am i trying to say the the degree to which he like championed michael clayton i think is very Mm -hmm. formative for me uh and i Mm. still think of it as like this overlooked modern text but late in the class, he was like, and you know what else is great? The town. And I really, not during class, but I used to go up to him after after our classes and be like, I really, I don't really like this movie. I don't really think it's doing, because to <laughs> me, it's like miscalibrated heat. It's like the bad guy's too sympathetic, or at least the movie thinks he is. He's doing terrible things, but the town is like, but he's cool, right? And, and the town is very like, it is tough to make money these days, isn't it? So yes, like, you gotta yes. rob some banks. And it's like, yes. do you? Yes. And then, and like, it's, a, you know, I know you kidnapped that woman, but like, maybe you should be in love. Like, maybe she'll get over it. Uh, and then <laughs> the Renner character is completely unhinged. She's just addicted to violence, which is a component of Kilmer that he's willing to do those things. But it's a it's a meaningful change to have a character who's like, no, I love hurting people, I, and it makes it less interesting. Town. I I think it's fine. I haven't watched it in ten years or whatever, but I liked it when I saw it. But I I think you're right that it's like, who who made that movie? Not Ben Affleck himself, right? No, I'll I'll find I'll find. But out. like whoever made that movie was like, okay, I'm doing Heat. I understand what Heat's about. It's about like a criminal mm-hmm. who's cool and a cop who's there. 
And, like, he has, like, a sidekick who's, like, a loose cannon or whatever, and they get in a big gunfight, and it's like, yeah. It's like all the surface-level stuff you might take from Heat without any of Michael Mann's, like, depth and interest. Yeah. And that's also yeah. why the town is, like, not three hours long. Yes, which is, I think Heat, Heat could have been not three hours long as well. I agree. <laughs> I think it's a little too long. I appreciate that it, like, wants to take the time to, like, sit in these characters' lives and, like, give you... But, like, you spend a lot of time with that guy who ends up driving them at the bank. And I don't... Dennis Haysburg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's great. Love him. The president from 24. I, I don't need that much time. Oh. <laughs> like, the I, president I, from 24. That's what I recognize yeah. him from. For a lot of his scenes, I was like, is this... Oh, there's also, like, a cop who I think looks kind of like him. And I was like, is this undercover cop? Is this a mm-hmm. criminal I'm supposed to know already? Like, why are we spending time with this guy who eventually is like, I don't want to work an honest job. It's not fucking worth it. And then gets killed for his yeah. trouble. Like, I mean, I get his it boss is a real dick also. Oh, for sure. For sure. I was like, I think we could have shortened up some of this stuff. Yeah. Michael, yeah. man. First of all, the, the town was directed by a man named Ben Affleck. No, Ben, oh, wow. no. Ben. My beloved who's the, ben. who's the cop in that? John Hamm. The cop is like, John who's... Hamm. Oh, right. Which okay. is yeah. fine. Uh, Ben's, mm-hmm. oh, Ben, he's grown. He's growing every day, you know? Oh, <laughs> he's ben. a grown sure. boy. Now I feel bad saying bad things about the town. Maybe that's why I decided I liked the town is because I like Ben and I want to support him and his growth and his work as a director. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of the, it's, it's, it's one of the, the key cornerstones of sober bro cinema. There's like that huge plot in the town or that, that thing that keeps coming back up where people are mad at him because he won't drink alcohol. Oh, Ben. God, he's good. I mean, look, Argo is a triumph. A a movie where, like, you know what happens at the end and there's still a lot of tension. For me, Mm -hmm. that's amazingly successful. I think Ben's good. I like him as a director, and I want him to continue to succeed forever. I'm here to defend Heat's three-hour runtime. And here (laughs) I go. The most important thing, as I said before, is that... uh, De Niro seems likable for a lot of the movie. Then he kills a ton of people. And I think it's important that there's like an hour of the film left when that happens. Because then as the audience, we feel like he is a villain for a very significant part of the movie before he gets killed. As opposed to that thing that I hate and I can't think of a good example of. Where someone is sort of morally ambiguous for a lot of a film. And then in order to get you to the we defeated them, isn't that great? plot point they start doing more heinous things in like the yes, last 10 minutes that seem out of character and it's just like oh well why did you kill that random innocent person like yeah right whereas this movie is like let us show you him doing terrible things in a way that doesn't feel like he escalated to those but he was always that man and we just didn't see him doing those and then we can live with that character for a while and by the time he's killed it feels satisfying because we've come to terms with the fact that this is the villain of the piece for sure. Yes. Though it also is, it's sad when he dies also. Like that's a sad scene. That's not like a, a, the tone of that scene is not solely triumph, you know. I, he never feels like a villain to me. Like when he kills 
the businessman. I'm like, fuck yeah, get that guy. <laughs> that guy sucks. And this is like the trick of movies, right? Is that like in real life, obviously this guy is horrific and he should go to jail or be killed or whatever. Sure, of course. Mm-hmm. But in the tone of the movie, I'm like, yeah, get revenge on that guy who tried to fuck you over. Like, go kill Wayne Grow who fucked over your entire life and all your friends. Like, yeah, go kill those guys. Yeah. You should be killing those guys. Like, those very few things that he does where I'm like, up, oh, irredeemable. Like, he never mm-hmm. crossed yeah. that line for me. So it is sad when he dies. They do really make it, like, clear that armed robbery of banks and other places is a a reckless, violent thing to do that is not safe. Which I think the town is, to go back to that, the town is a little bit like, oh, if it weren't for Jeremy Renner, this would be a totally safe, morally fine thing to do. The bank is insured. We're not going to kill anyone. But it's like, I think this does a good job of, like, no, if you hire, if you get a bunch of people together to storm a building with guns... Um, even if you're not intending to kill anyone, that is an unethical thing to do in the sense that, like, drunk driving is an unethical thing to do. You know, if people get killed, it wasn't your intention, but it's still your fault. Um, and I think that's a cool, like, that to me is the, like, yeah, I agree that, um, Neil never comes across as, like, I never hate him during this movie or anything, but the movie doesn't feel like it lets him off the hook for... For sure. The things it's he's just doing. like I'm so used to criminals being cool in movies for doing crimes yes. that I'm like, yeah, no, he's cool. And kind of the thing he does that is least acceptable to me is that he abandons his girlfriend, who he has mm-hmm. basically bullied and gaslit into coming with him already. Yeah, the he, look like, on her face when that happens. He kidnapped oh. her and she's decided like, no, no, it's okay. I, it's worth it. It's going to be fine. He has taken her on this insane emotional roller coaster and then he just ditches her. Um, is almost the thing where I'm like, oh, buddy, you couldn't yeah, do this one thing. It's it, it's so strange to think that his girlfriend is just going to essentially go home <laughs> because she's not yeah. going to be arrested. No, she's done nothing. <laughs> right, wrong. she's fine. And no one yeah. really knows who she is. Like Pacino sees her and is like, oh, woman in a car. Okay, yes. This is your whole thing. Please expand on this. Yes, I. This was in, uh, my letterbox review this time around. Both which is, times. Did you I write this second, last time? Yes. <laughs> I think about it every time. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, it's so sad that I haven't had an original thought about heat in like two years. <laughs> uh, you have a thing that you're really on top of. I respect that. It's a lot. so funny that the thing that sinks Macaulay in this movie is that he says "I have GF" to Pacino. He's like, yeah, I, I, I have a woman. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then, like, he does say the, that. The thing that sinks him is that Pacino just sees a woman sitting in a car and he's like, that is very odd in this situation with everything happening. That must mm-hmm. be his girlfriend. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's just super yeah. funny. You would think, like, yeah. meeting up with a cop to have coffee with him in the middle of the movie. You're like, it's the middle of the movie. Nothing's going to happen yet. And you're thinking, like, I can tell him whatever. You know, just don't tell him any mm-hmm. crime stuff. Crime stuff would be bad. He can't know where we're going or what we're doing. And they're bonding and about their lives like, and stuff. What's that? They're bonding about their lives. Pacino is talking about his, his wife and his stepdaughter and his problems and stuff. Yeah, but ultimately he dies because he says, I love a lady. Yeah. She yeah. didn't do it. I just looked it up, and two out of your three letterboxed reviews are just like, can you believe this guy gets caught because he'd said that girlfriend? <laughs> Why do you have three letterboxed reviews of the same movie? Every I don't use letterboxed. Is that a thing? Is I that a thing people it. do? Okay. 
I mean, it's fine. I think that every time I watch this movie, I'll be like, man, it's insane that Neil doesn't leave Chris to die in the street. He really should. <laughs> that would solve a lot of his problems. I mean, he, I, I, he also could leave Wayne Grow alive, which I think yeah, that's a fun final decision because that is the guy who you who you do hate and who is like, oh, this is a villain who needs to die. Um, but they do a lot of work to be like, not only did he fuck up their gig, but he's a scumbag and he kills women. So yes. yeah, it's the right thing to do to kill him. There's a couple things that I really would remove from Heat if I were making it. And also, if I were making it, it'd be really bad. But (laughs) there's a couple criticisms I have of the movie. Wayne Grow does not need to be a serial killer. He can just have killed those guards and be crazy. And Yeah, that's a weird touch, I thought. Macaulay is so hell-bent on getting revenge on everyone that it's his undoing. Like, that's enough. Also, I like the, the sentiment about screenwriting that stories are about coincidence and you're allowed one mm, and mm-hmm. the coincidence of him finding out about the slick thing and then what's the other coincidence we discussed there's a second one in the movie later on um, i'll cut this i forgot i don't know i think it's it's mostly they're all where they are on purpose because they're I chasing mean, how each does other john Voigt figure out where wayne grow is okay so wh- what happens is that the police who are not in in league with Wayne Wayne does not know the police are watching him. The police find out that he, of his own volition, checked into this hotel. Mm-hmm. They mm. set up surveillance that he doesn't know about inside of the hotel. Wayne is not aware that he's being protected by police. Really? Mm. Yes. He is just hiding from Macaulay because he knows that he didn't die in the bank robbery. Mm. Then uh, the police, after hearing this and setting up surveillance and everything, put word out through a bunch of CIs. Oh, so he's bait. Yes. He's, okay. he's bait and he's completely okay. unaware of anything that's happening. Okay. Yes. I got, Okay. So John Voight hears it through the criminal informant grapevine passes it along and says i don't think you'd care and he's like i don't care but he does care a lot but he does mm-hmm. care a little yeah yeah okay got it thank you i mean the thing that, with heat is there's there's like seven different crime plot lines happening simultaneously yes. in the way the that it's just like so confusing but i was like i can't i just have to like vibe with this movie and find yes. these characters because i can't follow the plot line because there's too many of them there's the bank robbery there's the mineral heist there's the thing with the bonds and the businessman there's yeah like just too much fucking there's all the shit with like pacino's kid and you're like what the fuck is happening too much to follow all of it (laughs) and so by the time i got to the end i was just like i I don't know where are we with this guy (laughs) like uh yeah i couldn't follow it i'm afraid to say i didn't find it helpful that there's like clear character through line because it is so about the two main characters that mm-hmm. like I, I was able to sort of accept like, all right, I'm not following all of the crimes they're committing. And I feel like that's I didn't, okay. Yeah. It didn't impact my enjoyment of the movie to be like, Oh, I mm-hmm. thought Wayne Grow was aware that he was being surveilled and protected. And that's why he like refuses to come out of his hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't change that. I was like, good stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But I didn't follow it clearly. <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. I, 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 I'm sure that I didn't either when I watched it for the first time at like 17 <laughs> I'm sure it was like, wow, there's a lot of highways. Uh, the, the other coincidence I remembered 
mm-hmm. is that uh, Dennis Hay- Haysbert's the uh, the Allstate man. He <laughs> they they're at the diner and they're like, "Hey, recognize that guy? He's a getaway driver we know." Then they get the news that Trejo can't be their getaway driver. That's the other. Oh, thing. I thought they were there for him. Me too. No, that was a coincidence. That they were scoping him out in general. It's a really. I mean, maybe maybe we're meant to assume that they're already going, where's Trejo? Do we need to replace him? But the way De Niro delivers the line is really like, isn't that weird? I know that guy from jail. Yeah. <laughs> where's Trejo? <laughs> Do we, and then, so is the there a reason is Trejo, Trejo is named Trejo? <laughs> right. But the actor, lazy? I think. No, the, the, the <laughs> character, yeah. Is there, like that role oh, was but... just written for him. And Michael Mann was like, love him. It will always be Trejo, even though that's a very, very small part. <laughs> This is a larger question about cinema, which is why do you ever do this? Why do you why do you have movies where you're like one person is a character's name and one person is their real name? Like, what does it? I mean find it unusual do? whenever you do it. Yeah, yeah. But what does it mean to do it? Like, why? When the deliberate know. choice is made, what's what are they trying to convey? I mean, Danny Trejo, I guess, is such a, like, specific character actor that maybe they're just like, oh, we want him to, like, play himself and lean into that. I do think it would be fun because presumably in a world where Robert De Niro is the star of this movie, there is no Robert De Niro. There is no Al Pacino. What if they're just all named that? What if they all have their real names? (laughs) I love to watch a movie where everybody has their real names, but they are playing characters. But to talk about a movie we all saw together, I mean, why do it in Licorice Pizza? What does it do? I don't know. Maybe it connects you to the character a little more. Like, it makes you feel a little more like, oh, I can just play myself here. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. And also, like, what happens with Trejo? Like, he can't shake his tail, but did he actually betray them? Because he's no. really fucked up. I didn't think so. It. Well, he may have betrayed them, but I wouldn't categorize it as a betrayal. It's like, mm. he, in my opinion... When he thinks he's being tailed by police, he's being tailed by Van Zant's guys. So they Mm. think he's being tailed by police. They're like, okay, call off the bank robbery. Trejo, you're out. Go home. He goes home. Van Zant's guys show up because Wayne Grove told them to. Tortures him, kills his wife, and I think child? Maybe just his wife. Mm. And then he is so fucked up that he's like, I I definitely did give up the information about the bank, because that's how the police know. But, because Van Zant tells the police. It's so complicated. There's so many levels and layers of information (laughs) moving back and forth, and I just like, it's so confusing. It's really confusing, but he, he he did give up that info, and the reason that the whole end of the movie happens is because they have, like, a perfect getaway on some flight, right. and mm-hmm. Trejo's like, I don't know if I told them. I just don't know. I'm too fucked up. Mm. Damn. Yeah. I'd like to mm. say something really insightful. So, <laughs> the in, in Michael Mann's first film, Thief, James Kahn is like recently out of prison and there's a scene early on where he's sitting with the female lead who will become his girlfriend. And he basically in, in, in a scene that many people reference to be like, this is why Michael Mann is so good. And he's not just like some macho movies guy. He basically is like, I got sexually assaulted a lot in prison and Mm -hmm. it's really changed me. And you know, I, I feel like I'm basically coming out like this new person. I don't know who I am. And it's this this sort of like 
especially for the time, because that's a movie from the 80s, just this sort of radical uh, portrayal of male vulnerability that really, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't happening in mainstream cinema elsewhere. It's shocking to me that there is not a Michael Mann prison movie out of all the ones he's done, because mm. the specter of prison is extremely present and important in this film. The reason that De Niro wants to get shot to death at the end is because whatever happened to him in prison or whatever experience he had is something he absolutely will not return to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that an understanding maybe that those two characters have with each other from the coffee shop meetup also that like, it's not the, okay, we respect each other, I'll let you go, but it is the like... I will not bring you in alive. I, I will shoot you rather than send you back to prison. I guess he doesn't really have a choice the way it plays out, but yeah. I like that read though. That's loving. Hmm. Sometimes when you love someone, you have to murder them. And there you go. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> you heard it here first. I mean, not folks. to be flip about it, but I do think that's an act of love <laughs> in this case. Like, and the in way this you're very talking specific case, it, yeah, like, yeah. And I think there's other versions of that in other fiction, but like, it's just to be like, I understand that like you would rather die and I can't let you go, so I'll do the next best thing for you. Mm-hmm. And hold your hand as you go. It's tender. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, talking about male vulnerability, that's what makes Michael Mann better than like a Michael Bay, is that he really does write characters with depth and vulnerability and emotion. Like, I just rewatched Manhunter recently and I'm always taken aback in that movie about how fragile William Peterson as Will Graham is in that movie. He is so brittle. He is on the verge of breaking (laughs) the entire movie. And that's just like a sensitivity to like male emotion that is valuable and powerful. And I love to see it. And Michael Mann's pretty good at it. My interpretation of the coffee shop scene is a little different. It's like he, De Niro says, you know, I'm not, I'm not going back. And I think Pacino interprets that. This is just my read on it. That Pacino interprets that as like, I refuse to be caught. And then sort of comes to understand when the line is repeated at the end of the movie. You know, yeah, I, that that was I willfully meant. choose death over returning to prison. And and of course the last hand-holding thing is like sympathetic and, and, and beautiful. But I don't think Pacino's walking out of the coffee shop being like, that guy wants me to shoot him. If no, it comes he, no. up. <laughs> sure, sure. That guy would prefer to escape. Of course. Um, I think it's the, also like with the hand yeah. holding. I think it's quite telling that like Pacino will hold his hand, but he's not going to look him in the eye. Like that's oh, a step interesting. too far. That he's going to yeah, stare off into yeah. the distance and give him this one, you know, last support thing. But it's not, he can't face it. He can't look him in the eye and say like, I'm glad we all came to this end. Um, yeah. And, like, have that really emotional connection as he dies. Something I really like about Pacino's performance and, and, and his... Them sort of, like, foreshadowing his... Uh, how kind he can be, or, or this, like, kindness that he has, is in the scene where De Niro and his crew are trying to take the uh, precious metals place. Mm-hmm. Pacino does not flip out at the guy that fucks up the sting the, oh, the dude yeah yeah the dude that makes the noise that ruins everything i mean the movie would have just been over in that scene had that guy not done it and they are all frustrated and they all get out of the truck and they're like darn it whatever but there's no the departed alec baldwin scene of him screaming at him 
Yeah. That's such like, a cool happens. scene. What's the noise he makes again? Well, how does he... He has a gun strapped to his back, and he tries to sit down in the truck that they're in, and the gun, like, hits oh, the side of yeah. the truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a cool scene of just, like, professionals yeah. being professional. Like, Neil is like, we're done. We're leaving right now. Leave all the equipment. Yeah. We're walking out of here. And Kilmer's like, really? Okay, off we go. Like, total trust in his boss to know when to call it quits. And that, like, moment of weird eye contact where, like, De Niro's looking yes. at pitch blackness. But you can tell that yeah. he sees him. Love like, that, that just, moment, like, yeah. Like, that electric. The way that is shot is so cool. And there's one other shot like that in the movie. And I was like, why are we only doing this twice, Michael? Bring it back. It's the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It's just, like, eye contact directly into the camera, but you don't feel like it's at you kind of like amazingly creepy um i haven't not seen this movie before the that coffee shop scene that's got that's like the in terms of the legacy of this movie that must be like the signature scene from this movie right mm-hmm. the the yeah. meeting because that, that's that's really good and also that is something that i feel like i've seen ripped off really effectively and i've seen ripped off in ways that are not as good as it is in this you know um it's so nice that they're both so chill during that entire scene. They're just having like the it's most casual nice. conversation about like, do you love your job? Yeah, I do. I can do anything else. Yeah, me either. Yeah, <laughs> just, like, it's so not like casual. a like a Tarantino scene where it's like a long dialogue where it's like ratcheted up tension. Mm-hmm. They could these people could fight each other at any moment. It's like we're we're off duty. We're off the clock right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always forget that that scene takes a turn into like I have weird dreams. I also have weird dreams. It, yeah. it, it never sticks in my memory, but it is, like, weirdly, um, it is weirdly real in the sense that, like, they are trying to have kind of an intimate interaction. The act of being, like, do you want to get a cup of coffee? Yes, I I guess so, is them being, like, we're, we're trying to manufacture some sort of experience. And that really feels to me, maybe maybe this is a wrong read, it really feels to me like trying to connect with someone but sort of getting it wrong <laughs> yeah. you're like here's something deeply personal does yeah. this fit i mean they go on a date and immediately neil is like okay i was allowing you to trail me and my guys and we're done with that now yeah like now that we've had this mm-hmm. intimate thing and it didn't quite feel right you're not gonna let me go you're not a guy i could bribe maybe or whatever we're done like we're not playing games anymore and he just like calls it quits immediately no second date I really, really like the scene where Pacino's like, I had coffee with him half an hour ago. How did you <laughs> yeah, lose him? Yeah. It's so amazing. It's really <laughs> satisfying. I feel like we should touch on some of these insane side characters in the movie that get like two seconds, like Tom Noonan as the only man that knows about the internet in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. And his explanation of the internet is so like, like I, it seems true, but it's very like unhelpful to the people he's explaining it to. And, <laughs> and he's like, how do you know this? It's like, people are like, just beaming it out there. You just means. need to know how to catch it. This information is just zooming through the air. Like, <laughs> I grab it. I know, that's a great scene. It's like a guy in a wheelchair who's like, I've planned a whole heist. I want a hundred grand for it. Bye. And he's Not so well help. organized. I love his spreadsheets and stuff. He's like, um, when, when the, uh, he's like, he gives the estimate and then we like cut away to a different dialogue scene. But we first hear him being like, okay, so to give you a sense of where that estimate is coming from, here's a report that I printed out. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really believable to me that that sort of internet crime could occur in 1995. Yeah, totally. That it's so, I mean, even today we see so many instances of law enforcement 
being like, I, I don't really know how to stop online crime. What's going on on there? It's Is it tubes yeah. on the computer? What's happening? <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, 30 years ago, I can definitely imagine the one guy who on his own gets it being like, I can mm-hmm. just get any information and no one ever catches me. I mean, it's like office space. Yeah. It's the crime from office space, which is just like, you just had to realize it was there and think to do it. And no one had ever thought to do it before. And then they do it. Um, there's also a Perry Mason mystery where that is the crime as well, which oh. is fun. That's a fun tidbit for the listener. <laughs> yeah, it, I like that Tom Noonan and John Voight, which John Voight, the styling on this guy. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Ponytail mustache, disgusting. I had to explain to my girlfriend. I was like, this is not late John Voight and he looks terrible because he's aged terribly. This is a very deliberate choice. <laughs> he has kind of like pockmarky skin. Like that's a guy who's yeah. had a shitty life. There are a couple, yeah. him and Hank Azaria. I was like, wait, is that him? I almost couldn't, like I almost couldn't tell it was John Voight. And Hank Azaria was just cause like, surely that's not Hank Azaria. What's but he doing in two scenes of this movie as a yeah. criminal informant? Question mark. I mean, they, <laughs> they blackmail him into doing it. Because yes. he knows Chris's wife. He's What's... sleeping with her. Oh, uh, what? Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. there's that, that that one scene where De Niro comes in and is like, you're getting back together with Chris. I'm bullying you into doing it. Right. Is Hank Azaria had... in that yeah, scene? Weird. He, De Niro watched, her, watched Hank Azaria leave that okay. hotel room before. I must have looked away him. for 10 seconds and totally missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, it's a lot. It. It, it's all coming together now. I like that this movie has these characters on the periphery of crime, like Noonan and Voight, who do not get tortured or like, or or like you know, at the end there's a scene where they're like all executed or whatever. There's or just like the or, tendrils yeah. of this of this criminal empire will live on. Yeah, Voight's like a fence. Is that his deal? I guess. I mean, I like that he's like kind of like their like distant dad who's like, I'm happy to help put things together. I'm not going to be on the front lines. You come to my house. I take care of you. I get you a plane ticket. (laughs) I say goodbye to you forever. Yeah. I tried to get Chris to stay, but he wouldn't stay. What am I going to do? Is he, who gives the advice of, like, you should never ha- be attached to anything you're not willing to drop in 30 seconds? Not is a that... character in the movie. Okay, okay. Just a it's guy like, De Niro used to know. De Niro is, is talking about someone that he knew in prison. Got it, okay. So, I mean, what does that guy know? He got caught. Yeah, he learned a lesson <laughs> from it. Oh, I see, right. He learned the ne- lesson in the negative? That does make sense. It's so funny that, like, De Niro has this, like, code that he's like, you got to be ready to walk away from literally everything in your entire life. But he has a consistent crew that he works with all the time. He does mm-hmm. not follow his own advice. Not at all. I would say at all. Other than not, not ha- being married, which, like, whatever. A lot of people aren't married. Um, <laughs> like, he has a girlfriend. He works with the same people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he works with the same people all the time. He clearly cares about them. He's going for revenge all the time. Like, yeah. not to harp, but, like, if he really was following his code, he'd be like, well, Chris is dead. I'm gone. I'm yeah. walking away yes. from this crime. Yes. I'm dropping my gun in the street, and I'm getting on the subway or whatever. Also, he probably wouldn't, wouldn't work with him again. No, you work with a guy once, you cut ties. You don't carry yeah. along a guy who can rat on you. That scene where they're all like, okay, listen, 
Pacino's on to us. This is actually too risky. We should stop. And they all sort of one by one are like, no, like it's worth the risk. Let's do it. Um, I think that is a cool scene to, to make the point of like, they all have this chance to mm-hmm. stop. They have, they have every, every ample opportunity to not do this. Um, yeah. And they all individually choose to do it. Even the one guy who's like, well, listen, man, I'm with you. I'll do whatever you say. And De Niro's like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing here. You have to make your own decision here. I think that's a cool uh, yeah. moment. I just like that play. none of them do it like for the money. Like they're all like, yeah, you know, yeah. I just like doing it. I think this is a cool, a cool grab, and I want to do it. The juice is worth the squeeze, or whatever. And the fact that he's a that um, <laughs> Chris is a gambling addict, I think, <laughs> is very related to that. Of like, it's not you know you 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 almost sound, make it sound nice, Hannah. It's like well, they just they love their job. They're doing it for the love of the game. But it's I like not dissimilar from being a gambling addict. Like you know, it is. I want to take. It does feel like the they have to do this. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, well, th- that juice quote, which is not the line. <laughs> no, but you say that all the time, that the juice is worth the squeeze. There's something about juice. <laughs> I do? You say the juice is worth the squeeze or not worth the squeeze sometimes. This is news to me. But then there's the line in this movie that's just like, the juice is the action, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's like for the him, action the... Is the juice. The action is the juice. That, that, so, but that, that's, a, that's a beautiful moment, moment where Sizemore is being like, I'm the person who's most honest with themselves out of all of us. Yeah. I like Robin. It's fun. <laughs> um, but he's also the one where um, Neil is like, listen, man, you got a, you got a, you got savings. You got a family. Like you got those like retirement bonds or whatever. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do this. My advice is back out of this one. And he's like, nah, I'm going to do yeah, it anyway. Do but it. it's like, how did he get all that responsible person stuff? He doesn't seem responsible. I mean, that dinner yeah, scene where you realize him. all of these guys have wives and families, except yeah. for De Niro, and they're all, like, very happy and doing great, but they're, like, career criminals. Yeah. Really worried it about is, their families. How, did, how have they not gotten caught sooner? Because it seems like they've been doing this for, like, De Niro has probably been doing this for, like, decades, and it's just, like, constant, extremely, uh, like, bold armed robberies. Yeah, I agree. You'd think that'd be something you do for a couple times and then you flee to New Zealand, you know? Like, well, I mean, De Niro's been caught yeah. at least once. I guess he did get caught. That's true. Yeah, he did go to prison. I think that we're seeing them escalate in scope throughout the movie. I mean, they definitely make references to the bank that make it clear that it's the most crazy thing they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you I mean, think of it as a... $13 million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, with with inflation one, I wouldn't even be that much money today. Um, but the the thing is that I feel like most of the time they're probably doing things like the precious metals thing, where they just go to a place in the middle of the night, they take a bunch of junk most people aren't even aware is there, and then right. the police care, and you see it on the news, and you're like, what does that even mean? They robbed a repository? What does that mean? One he's I, I, one, of, one of the jobs he's asking, he's like, is this on the prowl or strong? Um, so I guess that's like the two guys. It's either on the prowl, you're sneaking in at night, breaking it, or strong, you're busting in with machine guns. So I guess they've been doing I more low-key stuff. I think that means are the security guards stationary or walking around? 
Oh, I thought um, that meant, are we sneaking in or are we going in guns blazing? Um, that that's that, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, huh. I, I'm convinced by you. We both switched. I mean, you've seen it three times. You're Mr. Heat. Mr. Heat Miser over here. <laughs> Mr. Heat Miser. Does that make sense? I watch it a lot. It's a... That, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're miserly. I'm miserly. It's from it. a... There's a there's an old uh, animated Christmas special about uh, two elemental beings called the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser. They're not the main characters, but, you know, look it up. It's fun. It's a yeah. musical. Wow. <laughs> okay. Sounds like my cup of tea. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, put it on the podcast. Do we want to talk about Heat 2? Yeah, possibly. What the fuck Because, like, what's, why, what is the reason for Heat 2? Do we know? No. Just Michael Mann wanted to do it? Yeah. That's cool. I'm so intrigued. I can't imagine making a movie that actually brings back characters. Like, that feels crazy. But if you were just like, Heat 2 is just, um, you know, like in improv, it's like your second beat is either the same characters in a different situation or the same game with new characters yeah it feels like heat 2 should just be same game new characters which but is by not that logic there have been a million heat 2s already you know like yeah we've seen that game with different characters many times i just don't understand how you do it with characters that are coming back like unless you're like okay well chris's son is all grown up and now he's doing it he's doing yeah crimes. natalie portman like, grown up Natalie's chris's there. son grown up I think it's possible the book's going to take place in, like, 1999. You think? Yeah, I think it could just be a Chris story that's taking place shortly yeah. thereafter or or what have you. Wasn't I, there something where Michael Mann was like, ah, I want Chalamet for my heat, too? Like, how does oh. that twink fit he into this does world? does not <laughs> belong in heat. What? Yeah, at all. Like, what? In, I'm so, like, spinning all of the clues in my head. <laughs> I just don't understand it at all. Yeah, that's an extremely bad bad fit. I someone <laughs> was saying someone was saying Miles Teller for one of them, which you could see more. Sure, he's yeah. like a thug. Yeah. Um is he do we know if he's like writing it really thinking about it being a movie or was it like and if this works out maybe it could even be a movie? Cuz that would make a big difference in terms of what in terms of like bringing back characters. I would imagine that he's in sort of a Stephen King mindset where if you read like any king book that came out in the last 20 years because he is just the most popular author on planet earth everything Mm -hmm. that he makes gets made into a movie or a tv show so these days you pick up like under the dome which is like what a 15 year old book now or something Mm -hmm. and every chapter will be like lcd sound systems blah 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 was playing as she gardened and you're like stephen king is (laughs) writing trying to write the movie yeah um (laughs) And I, I would imagine that man knew that was a possibility. And he's still working and everything, right? He would definitely direct. I think I think he would at least be given the, the option to, yeah. I uh, wonder if we'll see, if this book is big, and especially if it's well-received, I wonder if we'll see a tertiary tomes assance. <laughs> people are like... People are like, you know what? I've got an idea for a, a sequel to... I'm doing Back to the Future for the book. Uh huh. I wonder. I'd love that. That's. I mean, why not? Right? Like, um, it's, it's the, so it's low a great risk to do that. Things where like, well, we can't get the actors back. The yeah. genre's dead or whatever. Like, but we still have thoughts, and there's people who are interested. Like, that's, and it's yeah. low risk, potentially very high reward. Yeah. 
Like, what if it's a, what if people love it, you know? Um, I'm into it. Is this, a, so this is, this episode of this podcast is not a tertiary tome. It is a, what did you call it? Tertiary tome origins? <laughs> I call it the tertiary tome origins because there's no tome for this episode. What we was National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets? What was that episode? That's a tertiary tome, regular. Well, we But the tome was the fictional either. Book of Secrets in the movie? No, I think that that was just qualified as a bonus. We really don't. It's, okay. it's, Sometimes we just have fun. This will be released as a bonus because there's no book. So right. um, There is not I a single have, book appearing in this film, no. I just think it's interesting this is the only case we've covered where we're talking about a movie only because there will be a book as a sequel. Yeah, that's interesting. This is essentially the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood of tertiary tomes. Like, it's mm. like the, the, mm-hmm. the moment where for just a second, just for like a hot second, this weird subgenre that we are obsessed with is going to pop out into the light. Like, we've, mm-hmm. we've been talking about your Good Burgers to go. This is like Good Burger to go for the <laughs> masses. Um, and it must be said, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did not cause a novelization resurgence. It seems like people just sort of looked at that as like, oh, it's Quentin doing his weird little things he likes, you know? Yeah. And especially since we're reinforcing the idea now, and I'm happy for him, but man is reinforcing the idea that it's a stepping stone to a movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, which you you guys are not into on this podcast, we know. It's not how we do. Movies that get adapted, but from books. I don't think I've ever watched a movie. No interest. Yeah. <laughs> Only. <laughs> Heat was the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a one to start with. Why no novelization? This would be such a good novelization. You could switch between yeah. the two perspectives. You could add a lot of, you know. Yeah. I'd be fascinated to, like, learn a little more about these guys. Yeah, well, it just just a, a script rife with the possibility to, like, add interior thoughts and, mm-hmm. and history. Like, you know, have I would love to hear uh, Vincent Hanna talking about past cases and how they're informing his current mm, decisions mm-hmm. and, and things like that or yeah tell me how long macaulay's been working with these guys tell me about guys he worked with yeah. that he liked less how did he end up in prison like what went wrong last time like yeah i'd love to know a little bit more about vincent's like his detective crew like west studi and that blonde guy mm-hmm. yeah like, just characters who we get even less than De Niro's crew that I'm like these seem like interesting people too I mean that phone call that Pacino has with the blonde guy who was yes. shot during the chase and he's like uh action point action point action point how you feeling okay bye yeah how you feeling oh I'm a little banged up but I'll be okay, okay. great <laughs> yeah um I'd almost like a, a tv show I think would would do well with this kind of material of like um you know zoom in on a different character each episode and could be good yeah I mean, I'd watch a, I'd watch a heat TV show where like one season you're with Vincent, he's solving a crime that has very little to do with yeah. Neil Macaulay, and then like the next season you're mostly with Neil and you're dipping in occasionally with Vincent, and they're overlapping in these tiny little ways, and then it all sure. comes together eventually, and you have the movie Heat. Because <laughs> if they're doing the sequel, maybe it is going to just be like a Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs thing, where it's like oh, this is a body of characters that we just sort of understand have been played by many different iconic actors and it's fine to recast all of them all the time. They're not, like, married to an actor, even though many people are famous for playing them. Um, I just don't know who... I mean, like, nobody has Pacino's energy now. Like, modern movie stars are not Pacino's. They're not De Niro's. They're not Val Kilmer's. Like, you just don't have those guys anymore. 
Yeah. And I just would be so curious to be like, who do you find who can do these things? And well, is and it, I guess like everyone's too what pretty. is the benefit of the character being named Vincent Panna? You know, like what is the benefit of not just having them be similar but new characters? I guess would be the question. I forgot to say earlier, just thinking about this film. One of my favorite parts is that when he says that thing, Chris, about the sun rises and sets with her, he says something really beautiful, and then Neil just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's trying to talk him out of it. That little scene is really like, you gotta like ditch this girl. She's holding you back. And he says, mm-hmm. you know, the sun rises and sets with her. She's my whole life. Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. You can't do anything about that. He's made up his yeah. mind. He tried to convince him. And then he's like, not changing your mind? No? Okay. Yeah. Um, that also reminds me, I do like, uh, during one of Pacino's early manic coked out scenes where he's at the, like, uh, they're at some kind of, like, outdoor, like, construction site or something. He's talking to the brother and he's like, uh, like, he's pissed that the guy was late. And he's like, did you, did you fall in love last night? Is that what yes, happened? Did you yes. fall in love with someone and you go home together and change your life? Because you can tell me if that's what happened. I'll accept it. <laughs> I'll accept it is good. I'll accept it and then the guy doesn't go for it he's like I'm giving it out but I can't lie I'm quite lonely going for it would also be really weird if he's like yes detective I did I I fell in love last night Um, let me tell you and then it becomes a a scene of Pacino being like introduce me (laughs) what do you like about it what's special together I mean, I'm sure that we have, like, missed major points of heat that we should have discussed, but it's just such a, like, dense movie. Like, we there couldn't is, possibly. Yeah. Let me skim the TV, the Wikipedia page. There, there's certain things I really like about the, the filmmaking in it, like that it doesn't telegraph its ending by showing airplanes throughout. <laughs> but it's like, it yeah. truly, the movie really does feel like chaos in that, like, things... When things start going down after the bank robbery, they, they the locations are just dictated by whatever the fuck happens to be happening. So Wayne Grow checks into mm. this hotel by the airport. It just creates the entire end of the movie, where now everyone is converging near the airport and then just running through the airport. Because what else are you gonna do? Um, but I like that the movie doesn't like think that it's super clever and like show a bunch of shots of the sky throughout or whatever the fuck. It's just like, this is what's happening now. He, he Mm -hmm. asks for that shotgun specifically, but then the bullets ran out. He has to get rid of it. It's just like, it's weirdly not, um, fictiony in moments Mm -hmm. where it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel designed. It feels happenstance. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that. Um, I have some interesting things skimming the Wikipedia page. So, uh, first of all, based on a true story, uh, Neil McCauley is a real person. I did yeah, not know insane. that. That's cool. That's but crazy. then also, um, listen to this. In the section of the Wikipedia page called Future, in March 2016, Mann announced that he is developing a Heat prequel novel as part of launching his company, Michael Mann Books. Is this the, That's is the this book. Heat 2? So Heat it's a prequel. 2 is a prequel. Sort of, no, no. Partially. He announces it in 2016 or whatever, 19, whatever, as a as a prequel and then it's with this one author and it evolves into a prequel sequel with a different author. Got it. They're got the it. same okay. book, so, it just changed. So Chalamet is probably a prequel prequel boy, right? 
A prequel if, if Pacino? He's... Like, is that... I guess. It's the wrongest thing I've ever imagined. so wrong. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> find some Italian, please. <laughs> yes. It, it, it reminds me of what they were talking about uh, with The Godfather. The talk of like, well, let's get, so, let's get like Robert Redford to be Michael Corleone. Or like, let's get like, uh, you know, the talk of the, the actors they wanted. And they mm. wanted like some blonde guy. Like... <laughs> Literally find any Italian actor, please. Yeah. Find the guy who played Pacino in The Offer, who is, like, mm. a fascinating little creature. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watched The Offer Mm-mm. on Paramount+. Plus. Um, it's one of those shows that I was like, maybe this is terrible, but I love it. Like, I couldn't stop watching it. And they have this guy who shows up in, like, episode four to, like, play young Al Pacino. And uh, he's just, like, doing, like, a little too much. You know, yeah. <laughs> he looks like Pacino. He does look like him. And he's like a perfectly nice modern boy. And he's as Pacino is just like too weird. Uh, and then I watched all the like post episode special features where then they would like interview this kid who just be like, it's so cool to be playing Pacino. Can you believe yeah. it? Like, I think that kid should have a career. I really like. Also, like, Pacino is known for doing a bit much sometimes, so maybe yeah, it makes I mean, sense. Yeah, I mean, please watch The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. It's really delightful. Okay. It's kind of funny. Great performances. Really goofball shit. Um, big there fan. Love a good casting of a, a younger version of an actor when you can pull that off. That's very satisfying. Yeah. And, like, I, it's so... It really is, like, I just don't know anybody who feels like Pacino or De Niro these days. Who can yeah. do that kind of stuff? And I would love to. Or Kilmer. Or, yeah. Yeah, no one comes to mind. The, the thing about Kilmer is that he is so uh, scary and so, like, macho and so stoic in a way that is less vulnerable and less wounded than anyone I can imagine. If you plug, hmm. like, any current movie star in, they either seem too phony to me, like obviously you can't put like a Gerard Butler in, but if you go the other direction and you're like, we are going to do Miles Teller, that's too vulnerable of a person. He doesn't, hmm. like Kilmer's more of a stone block than that, but he's also realer than than our beefcake movie stars. Like, he's like a also Butler. not funny. Like you could do like, well, Glenn Powell could probably do it, but Glenn Powell is funny. <laughs> He's going to yeah. bring humor to it, which is not right for what Kilmer is doing. Yeah, that doesn't feel right. What do we think about Chris's haircut? Isn't that a fun little character thing? I like it, yeah. Well, it makes a lot of sense because he's in hiding. I know, I know. I just like, I don't know. I was already like, well, we may never see Chris again. Like, we may not get the scene where he shows up with, like, his wife or whatever. Then he shows right. up and he has that haircut, but... Valcom is still so recognizable from the back of his head. Um, and he's that's a moment when he's like so wounded. Like yeah. That's so vulnerable. The most vulnerable you've ever seen him. And then uh, another sort of like pleasant coincidence is like the cops on duty don't have a picture of him. So they don't recognize him when they pull him over. They just trust his driver's license, which yeah. is fake. And he gets to escape. Um, you'd think you might show those guys a picture of the guy you're looking for. I'm like, yeah, his hair is shorter, but his face is distinctive. One thing I really like is um, that when they pull him over, they go, this guy is, you know, Stephen Peters or something. And then they're like, car is registered to, and it's a different person. And it's sort of an interesting uh, glimpse into the way Voight 
is creating these fake identities for people, which is having the license not match the registration is weirdly real and sort of believable. Like, if he gets pulled over, he can basically be like, this is... I'm this guy, but this is, like, my friend's car or whatever. And that wrinkle, that sort of imperfection, makes it a little more human. Whereas you would assume someone creating a false identity and a cover and an out would be like, let's make sure everything matches up just perfectly. But Voight's, like, really good, and he knows that wouldn't that wouldn't be the, be the trick. And it's a potentially easier lie to tell that, like, oh, well, this isn't my car, though, than... To be like, it is, and it's like, okay, when'd you get it? What's your, you know, like, now there's a bunch of follow-up questions there, you know? Yeah. What's your favorite road trip you've taken in this car? <laughs> it is cool. And that, like, they run the car, like, it's a different guy, but it's clean. Like, it's not, it hasn't been stolen. Yeah. It's not a stolen car. It's just a somebody else's car. That stuff's cool. Those are really cool details to me. And I just yeah. love that Chris just g- gets away with it. He gets to go. That, like, world-building stuff of this movie was was definitely a highlight of it for me. That was fun. I think one of my... We're so scattershot right now, but there's just so many little (laughs) interesting things. One of my favorite things uh, in the movie is... We're like the the cops and robbers at the end. We're just spraying bullets out there, seeing what Totally. (laughs) One of my favorite things is is when we see Van Zant when he uh, gets the call to set up the deal that will go wrong at the, um, that, like, drive-in movie theater... Uh-huh. When when he gets the call, he's he's got the uh, those other people there doing something on the computers behind him, and what are they <laughs> speaking Spanish? And and it's just like, it's just like I don't know what's going on with Van Zant. He's got a lot happening. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's <laughs> weirdly a detailed. Serious businessman doing business. I also like that the guy he sends to do the deal is also like a business dork. It's like a guy yes. in glasses yeah. and a sweater, <laughs> and that poor guy gets shot to shit. <laughs> yeah, he was in over his head. What a funny deal. Like, what a dumbass idea that you as a businessman would be like, I'm going to outthink this master criminal. <laughs> and just, like, yeah. not consider that he would have a guy keeping an eye out. Yeah, that <laughs> like, he is, really. like you were saying earlier, like, um, he is so like, I'm going to teach them you can't steal from, you can't mess with me. And he's just like... Did he really think he was going to be able to back that back that up? Like, what made him think that? Like, yeah. <laughs> I also like in the scene at the drive-in as we scatter shot our way through the end of this episode. Um, <laughs> the scene at the drive-in, like, you're like, okay, it's just Neil, and he's in this like station wagon, which is pretty lame. And they pull up, and then it goes wrong, and you're like, okay, well, Chris is up on the roof. Okay, that's the cover. And then they go to pull out, and, like, Sizemore is at the entrance, and, like, there's another guy at every step that these, like, fuck-ups might try to get out. Um, (laughs) Really fun reveal work there. I think that Macaulay's motivation to sell the stuff back to Van Zant makes a lot of sense. Like, I think... The reason I'm saying that is because it, there's a way to view that as, like, absurd. Why would you try to sell back to the guy that you stole from? But maybe just as I've gotten older and met more, like, business people, I'm like, first off, a guy like Van Zant definitely doesn't feel the financial hit of losing the bonds from, like, yeah. one whatever. And I think you can imagine a world where his eyes do turn into dollar signs when they're like, we can sell them back to you and you get the insurance money. So mm-hmm. it is, it's just the sort of writing flair that I really appreciate. I would never think to write a plot like that. But when I see it in a movie, I'm like, 
yeah, rich business people do be scumbags. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fun also to see a criminal who's so different from the other criminals in the movie. That's a fun... I, I like Van Zandt as a character for that reason. Like, he does feel very clearly depicted and is a criminal for such different reasons in such a different way. Like, I mean, fun. is he a criminal? I mean, he definitely is. Just, like, his whole vibe and the way that the movie portrays him and the fact that he just has, like, a scary-looking Henry Rollins standing around all the time. <laughs> but, but but what does he do? What is, what's his crime? Uh, certainly Isn't he, like, a money crimes. launderer or something? Probably. The fact that he's engaging with the criminals to get his bonds back, to me, implies that he's, like, dirty in one way or another. Yeah. Like, the right. moment the criminals contacted him and were like, we're willing to sell them back to you, a an upstanding citizen would call the police and be like, we should catch these guys. And instead he's like, yeah, let's see what we can do together. Scummy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The very least he's scummy. And then (laughs) he gets shot. Good. In his sweatpants. (laughs) He's wearing his sweatpants. He doesn't get shot in them. (laughs) I think, well, as I remember that scene that I saw one time, he's like finally able to go home and relax because he feels like he's clean. Um, and he's like at home in a sweatsuit and he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh God, what's happening? <laughs> it's satisfying that it, in going back to like the messiness of the movie, the fact that it just sort of spills from one location to the other. And, uh, it's satisfying that the scene where Van Zant dies doesn't feed the plot at all. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. is like, like, like Macaulay goes in and he goes, I, I need information that you have. And Van Zant's like, I don't have it, in fact. And then he just dies. And he's like, <laughs> well, fuck you. It just feels like it, it, it's nice to watch something where you've been with this character, Macaulay, for two and a half hours. And as opposed to everything being this leads to this le- leads to this. Macaulay gets mad at Van Zant, kills him, and as an audience member, I just go, Macaulay do be like that. <laughs> That's really him. Yeah. John Goodman. Me. You are a series of intact rear windshields at a car dealership. <laughs> you are rigged by director Michael Mann to explode all at once. <laughs> During a fake uh, bomb thing for a movie. Mm -hmm. In your final moments, would you watch... Your final moments are two hours and 52 minutes long. Would you watch Heat by Michael Mann? (laughs) One of my favorite shots of the movie. It's when all the really Well, just to to get into character here, yeah, I think I'm just thrilled to be finally getting my Hollywood Hollywood chance. Uh, My big star moment (laughs) as a series of windshields. Um, and yeah, I would totally recommend Heat. I think um, I would uh, I would talk about what you were saying at the beginning that like it is one of those movies that has been so influential that it can feel a bit cliche at times uh, in a way that is no fault of its own. Um, and I would also say if you are the type of person who you see Heat and you're like, or you see like a trailer or whatever, and you're like, that doesn't seem like a, the kind of movie I would enjoy. You are probably correct. Um, I would not say, like, no, 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 you must see Heat. It will really surprise you. Uh, But, um, yeah, it's good. It's really well made. And, like, um, just, like, uh, the story for being so long and so sprawling and having so many characters does feel tight still. Um, 
and just like the filmmaking is 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 cool to see it's uh yeah it's good i'd recommend heat especially if you like this type of movie uh or if you want to see like a movie that has been very influential and and find that interesting go see it and maybe read the sequel book who knows <laughs> i can't recommend, can't recommend that, that one yet <laughs> john to, to run run with that feeling Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, uh, Hannah Blackman, uh, you are American film director Michael Mann. Um, <laughs> wow, good for me. You are, uh, you're aging, but you're still spry. You've got some more work in you. Uh, and you're, you're thinking, do I want to make a novelization sequel of Black Hat? No, I don't think I do. Uh, and you think about, hey, wait a minute. What about that movie Heat that I made? Uh should I make a novelization sequel of that? Let me consider whether or not that movie was good or bad. <laughs> Would you come to the conclusion that it was good? Um, I do think that the movie Heat is good. <laughs> I, I liked it. I do think it's kind of overly long, but it's fascinating. It has so much like depth of opportunity in it some of which is expanded upon some of which you just get to think about which i like a lot we just get to like pick apart like what does that mean who is that guy like why does he feel that way about whatever like we don't have the full Mm. set of of information and i think all of that is fascinating stylish movie cool guys everybody looks super hot kilmer in a series (laughs) of great jeans pacino's hair occasionally does that like like floppy it looks great um (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a good movie. I would recommend it to people. I, I agree with you that, like, if you think you look at a trailer for Heat and go, like, I wouldn't like that, like, yeah, you wouldn't like it. I don't think it has a lot of surprises in it. But, like, it is um, slower and more emotionally rich than I think I was expecting. And that all is very nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm into it. I liked it. I don't know if it would be my first pick for a sequel novelization if I was Michael Mann. It's what um, would definitively be? ended. Yeah, yeah, it really feels like it's done, and you should let it go. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. just currently, like, doing a little... Sc- like, Collateral is the kind of movie that I'd be mm. like, I want a prequel to Collateral as a book. Or even, mm-hmm. like, a Miami Vice 2, if I was Michael Mann. Well, I'm Miami Vice 2 at least has, yeah. like, the characters are alive. For <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe the sequel is, I don't know, a long-running television show. It's a thought. You know, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm into heat. I'm into it. It's good. It's good. I do think everybody should kiss in it. Like, I think a lot of the problems would be solved if the men kissed each other. But mm. whatever. <laughs> Inside your criminal crew, then you don't have to worry about some girlfriend who's like, oh, you're a criminal? Yeah, he already knows because he's your boy and your boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. They should be doing uh, the sacred band of Thebes, that ancient Greek army that was all made up of lovers, you know, so they all are closer tied (laughs) together. That should be what this movie is about. (laughs) I don't know, maybe. And when anyone in our army dies, I'm extra sad. (laughs) I was very invested in the fact that Neil is like, we all got to be able to let things go, except for Chris. I'm sticking with Chris. Big fan of Chris. Love Chris. Won't let him yeah. die. Want him to come with me to New Zealand. We're all doing this together. Very into that. Also, I think it would be perfectly compelling to have coffee and then go fuck in a car and then be like, now we have an additional level of tension between <laughs> us. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. 
that's you know not i think you could argue they did i don't think it is <laughs> you could you i don't could. think there's anything in the movie to say that they didn't hey listen you're michael mann so you, you tell us <laughs> that's right i am michael mann and i'm saying definitively that's what i was doing in the movie that's it's not on camera but it's there Whew. andrew overby you're a nice lady with a difficult husband. And a <laughs> Sorry, baby. before you do this, I'm just picturing the delivery of I had sex with Macaulay half an hour ago. <laughs> what do you mean you lost him? Having a moment with that, so. <laughs> Are you telling me we didn't connect? <laughs> he was using me for my body? <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, whew, okay, you're a you're an okay lady with a difficult husband and a baby, right? She's nice, mm-hmm. and he's just like constantly spending money the wrong ways, and you're kind of sick of it, and you're ready to leave. You're gonna leave him, mm. and then the cops show up and are like, "We need you to rat on your husband and trick him into coming in so we can arrest him forever, and if you don't, we'll send you to jail as an accomplice, and your baby will be orphaned." That mm. that times right. Then it doesn't sound should... so bad because it's. I'm assuming that mm-hmm. my side piece is a really nice guy. He's kind of a scumbag too, actually. Oh. He's okay. He's not as hot as your husband, but he's like okay. He's he's alright. And you do have great one. voice you though. You got to talk him into doing some voiceover work. <laughs> yeah, he'd really thrive in that in that role. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> the cops set you up in an apartment with a balcony. You step out. You see your husband. And you realize you really do love him. Would you recommend Heat to him in that moment? <laughs> I would recommend Heat. I love this movie. I agree with, uh, you know, everything we've been saying about like it. 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 The thing with the cops and robbers were very much the same. It's like it's it's been done to death. And I even cringe a little bit watching the 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 coffee scene because it's so just the ur text for that that it's like oh come on it's like seeing 2001 a space odyssey for the first time when you're a kid and i remember watching it with my friend annie from the national treasure episode and she was like they're using this song and i was like it's from this it's from this (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but i the thing is that like even if you that scene is 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 masterful i'm not i don't mean to put it down but even if you ignore it completely the excess of story and like just the 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 way the dynamic lighting in this film the fucking scene where he is in the helicopter getting to the car to pull neil over the helicopter Helicopter. to bring him what's that (laughs) nothing i'm sorry i was making fun of you continue what did i say you said helicopter, helicopter. instead of like That's helicopter, what I said. and it was cute and funny, and I wanted to draw attention to I, it. It's a, it's, it brings you really high up like a hill. So <laughs> the scene where he is, he is pursuing Macaulay to pull him over is just directed in such a way that it is thrilling, and you have no idea what's happening. You have no idea who's in the car or why he's even... And it's just it's just an amazingly made film i still remember the experience of watching it for the first time and truly feeling like there's so many plot threads i have no idea how they are going to intersect every scene felt like 
you know, where are we now? Oh, he's going to kill Van Zant. Why? Why right now? There's so much going on. Uh, so yeah, I love the movie. It's just like, it's just packed with quality content to the point where it's too much and it's hard to follow. And it's, it has ideas that aren't fully formed. I like the thing with the, um, Dennis Haysbert as the getaway driver. And it's just sad that they develop him so much and then he dies. But I, I get the argument. I get the argument that it's a little, it's a little much. Um, but yes, full-throated endorsement for the movie Heat. You heard it here first, unauthorized. <laughs> we're the only people who've ever said it. We are really, <laughs> we're really talking this movie up, and we're gonna make it a hit. <laughs> mm, yep. We will be back. Well, we'll be back with our normal episodes, but we'll be back in like five weeks with Heat Two, uh, which you know. Uh, Turns out, if you if you nine months before a book comes out, if you look up who is in charge of distributing advanced copies and you email them, you don't get them. So <laughs> we'll get them when you get them. We'll read the book. We'll be back in five weeks. It's going to be a really fun time. Uh, but in the meantime, please rate us. Please review us. Please subscribe to us. And also... I'm going to read a passage from a classic piece of literature to lead us out of the episode, and please tweet at AuthorizedPod if you recognize what this is from. <clears throat> I looked around the empty apartment. Okay. Dishwasher, in-unit washer and dryer. It's pretty good, but could I have heat too? Good night. <laughs> <laughs>